Welcome back to Bless Our Mess. I'm Taylor, licensed marriage and family therapist. And as always, uh, this is not a replacement for in-person therapy, just kind of a disclaimer that putting out there, uh, you know, so if you are experiencing, you know, significant issues, you know, seek help from a competent licensed mental health practitioner. Okay. So let's jump into the topic today. It's going to be me, my lovely wife, my amazing wife is at home with sick children and also kind of getting ready for the school year. So with six children, that can get pretty busy. So I just wanted to jump on and talk a little bit about a recent experience I had with a client. I've when I first started seeing this client, now imposter syndrome is where you get into this state of telling people what you think they want to hear, showing people what you think they want to see, all based on building this illusion so people will like you or you will meet the demand um, that you feel is placed on you, uh, whether that be in your marriage or at work or school. Um, and imposter syndrome can really is really fed by high levels of self-doubt. And there's so much that goes into it that, I mean, we could s spend a whole series of episodes, um, podcast episodes, like really delving into the depths of imposter syndrome. But as he and I were working and we were talking about how to overcome it, how to challenge it, because he wanted to do something along the lines of, vlogging he wanted to document his challenges with depression and all of the ways that he tries to manage it or overcome it and but the fear of will people like it will it be meaningful um the feelings of him being a fraud or being found out or that it wouldn't be authentic has held him back from pursuing this dream, this desire of vlogging. So as we're working together and I'm talking about ways to overcome it, he asks me, well, has there ever been something that you've just been so scared to do that you haven't done it? And in that moment, I really started to feel hypocrisy set in because truth be told, my wife and I had recorded most of these episodes years ago and I struggled with the imposter syndrome. When am I going to be found out? It'll never be good enough. I need to get my degree. I need to learn more about this issue. I need to, and it, the list never ended on the things I would need to do before I felt I would be viewed as credible enough to talk about and address these issues. So in that vein of him asking, have I ever 
struggled with this myself, I could easily, with a resounding yes, right, say yes. I struggle with it every single day. And it became really apparent on my 40th birthday. My wife, amazing, as you know, threw a surprise birthday party for me. And it blew my mind. I was genuinely surprised, and that's difficult to do. Um, and the way that she did that, obviously, she invited all of my friends, but she invited my friends that I've known since grade school, and we've been close friends our entire lives. And they live in various parts of the country. And they showed up to that, and it just blew my mind. But during that process, you know, it was like a how well do you know Taylor type thing was part of the party. And so everyone was filling out their sheets and it got to the point, you know, as we were gathered these up and we were reviewing them, my wife was reading them off and she gets to one where it was like, what, what is Taylor's greatest fear? And kind of the overall consensus was fear of failure. And I couldn't have agreed more. And so it was really eye-opening for me to see the closest people in my life all see the same thing. And it's it really is fed by that imposter syndrome that I'm a fake, that I'm going to be found out, that if I do something, I'm going to fail. It won't be good enough. And all of that self-doubt. And so couple that party with the work that I've been doing with this client. And we set goals, he and I, to pursue um, and challenge our imposter, uh, that imposter syndrome. So that really pushed me over the edge of like, you know, I don't like this feeling of hypocrisy. I need to be following through with these thoughts, feelings, ambitions uh, to create something worthwhile and meaningful. And I hope that's what this podcast provides for people. And so here I am following through and challenging it, but that's not to say that I don't feel it. And, you know, when I talk to my clients uh, about their issue or issues or whatever it might be, I use a, a an analogy of, you know, if people who had this same issue had to wear a yellow hat on Mondays, you would look around and see a lot of yellow hats. And I had to turn that advice to myself and be like, you know what? You really do need to follow through. Just follow through. That which you do becomes easier. Not because of the task itself, but our ability to do it, right? And here I am giving all of this advice to my clients, all the while feeling some level of hypocrisy that I'm not following through with my hopes, dreams, aspirations, and and. Uh, underlying compelling visions that I have for my life. And as I've reflected on this, I can notice how this has impacted me through 
my entire life. The earliest that I can remember this imposter syndrome affecting me, I was probably six and playing flag football. And I was quick, you know, I was athletic then and I was fast. And so they wanted me to run the ball. And during practice, I was like, okay, I guess we could do that, you know. Um, but it's flag football. So we really didn't have that many practices, right? And at the time, this was mid-90s. So Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was huge. So we named this play Raphael after the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. And what that play would be is it would, the quarterback, I would stand next to the quarterback. But if we called Raphael, it would be a direct snap to me, not the quarterback. And I would run around the side and hopefully gain some yardage. But when it came time to run that play, I felt like, oh no, I'm not good enough. I'm, I, it, mind you, I'm six, right? But I do distinctly remember an overwhelming feeling of I will let my team down and I don't want to let them down. So no, I'm not going to run the play. I'm not going to do it. Nope, you can't make me do it. And I refused. And so the coach took me out of the game and put someone else in because I wouldn't play. All the while, based on that fear of I'm going to let them down because I'm not who they think I am. I'm not this fast, athletic kid that they think I am. So he took me out of the game, as any coach would. And I felt a sense of relief of like, oh, okay, I didn't let them down. But my six-year-old brain can't comprehend that I let them down by default, right? By not participating, I let my team down. And so the reason why this is standing out and I wanted to spend some time thinking about it or talking about it with you today is how many times do we think, you know, by removing ourselves from the game that it's better? And by now the game, I mean the game of life, you know, where we play small, we play safe, um, thinking that that is going to render the best outcome. When in reality, what we're doing is just choosing failure by default, right? And I've done that so much throughout my life. And I have so many other, as I reflect, right, there's so many larger events in life where this imposter syndrome has really negatively impacted me. Because sometimes the imposter syndrome feeds almost hyper productivity, almost perfectionism. And that's what I faced when initially working in residential treatment where I had, I felt I had to be perfect. Everything had to be perfect. I had to, I almost felt like I had to turn a product, right? Because these parents were making significant sacrifices to have their son in treatment. And I felt this overwhelming pressure to be perfect, to be the best therapist, to almost force change and Obviously, you can't force someone to change, right? That adage of you can lead a horse to water, but you can't force them to drink. 
even though I knew that, the imposter in me was like, no, you have to make change. And it created so much stress in my life that I started to experience mental health issues, depression, anxiety, panic, and a load more of other, like even physical symptoms, you know. So it isn't until, like we can't change what we don't acknowledge, right? So if you're listening to this and some of it is resonating with you of like, oh my gosh, I do that too. Acknowledging it obviously is the first step because we can't change what we don't acknowledge. But there's a big difference between insight and application. So just because we become aware of a problem doesn't mean the problem's going to go away. We have to do something about it, which is why I'm recording this episode. Because everything in me says, you're not good enough. Like, no one's going to listen. Who would care about this? Or a frequent one is like, oh, this is just common sense. Everyone knows this, you know? And it really just downplays anything that, any potential that I have of offering something of value. And some people might listen to this and be like, yes, it is common sense, but there, it might resonate with someone, right? And so I'm just giving you a look into the inner mental battle that I go through every day I show up to work is, oh, it's common sense. Oh, right. I have to be perfect. I have to do these things. But the first step is acknowledging it. But once you gain that insight of, oh, yes, this is a problem, and then you can go start learning about how to solve the problem. But just knowing it's a problem and knowing how to solve it doesn't mean it will be solved because action is required. That's how lasting change will be made, which is why I'm recording this episode. I'm taking action on my imposter syndrome. I'm directly identifying it. I'm calling it out for what it is. And then I'm challenging it by recording this and future episodes, as well as having other ways that I try to do this. Every time I feel like I can't do something or that I would be inadequate or it wouldn't be perfect, I set out to do it. For years, uh, obviously working with troubled teens, I have had a lot of similar conversations repetitively with new clients that come in because they come in with the same issue, even though they experience their issues differently, it's the issue. So generally speaking, like anxiety, helping teens overcome anxiety, they each experience anxiety differently, but how to overcome it can be quite universal. So I've had that conversation thousands of times to the point where I started to have an idea of, you know what, I should really just write a book about this. But then the imposter syndrome would say, no, you, who are you to write a book? Who are you to try to help someone? It's common sense. They could find it somewhere else. And yada, the list goes on to the point where I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And if it, I'm just going to do it. And then I'll know that it's done, that I did do it, that I'm challenging my imposter syndrome. So I did. I wrote a book. It's called Seven Days to Anxiety Relief for Teens, because again, that's who I've had the most conversations with. And so I published it and it has done okay. I wish it would do better. 
<laughs> because then my imposter syndrome speaks up, you know, every time I, I go to check in on how it's doing, it's like, oh, see, told you so, right? Kind of mentality. But then I'll check another day and someone will have purchased it or someone will have left a review saying how much they enjoyed it and how much it helped. And I'm like, ah, see, there's the evidence. And even if the few amount of people who have purchased it, it makes a difference in their life, it will have a ripple effect. And so for all of you who are listening in, who are playing it safe and playing small, there are so many people that could be impacted by your the visions you have for your life, the dreams, the aspirations that you want to do, but that imposter is holding you back. To the point now where I've closed that confidence gap. I wrote the book and I feel more accomplished, right? Like, no, I really can do this. And so now all of these other aspirations and goals that I have to stop playing small, start playing big, but I am recognizing I'm only helping one person at a time. And even though that is great because it does make a difference in that person's life, I just have this underlying like drive of like, you need to do more. You need to help more. And so writing that book was the first step. And now I'm like, you know what? I do have these, again, conversations on repeat, even though it's different people experiencing the same issue differently, the universal way of trying to help them overcome that is the same, right? And so my next step is to start creating online courses. But the only reason why I I mentioned any of this is I never would have dreamt that I would be doing these things. It wasn't until I recognized the imposter syndrome that it has plagued my life, that I could start chipping away at doing something different. So if you're listening in on this, I guess the first step would be write it out. What I mean by that is write out what imposter syndrome looks like for you. What's that imposter voice like in your head? What are you telling yourself that holds you back from doing something different? And it doesn't have to be something life altering. Maybe it's picking up a different hobby. You know, maybe you want to learn to play tennis, but you've never played tennis. And, or maybe you've never really ever played a sport and you want to, but the voice in you is like, oh, you'll never be good. You'll, so don't do it, right? You'll never amount to it. You'll never enjoy it. Yeah, you're not good enough. You won't ever be good enough to play that game. What happens if you go to play that game with someone else and they're better than you and they beat you and like, right? Like your mind is going to go all over the place when the imposter voice has hijacked your brain and taking over. And then you're going to feel inadequate and that's going to lead to paralysis by analysis or isolation, withdrawal, avoidance. So write it out. Write out what that imposter voice sounds like and then start looking at how you can challenge it and what action steps you can take. And eventually, that imposter voice will start to become quieter, eventually to the point where you silence it. I'm not there. I'm working on it. And who knows? You know, life is managed, not cured. That imposter voice might be with me. But 
quieting it or not giving it as much power as it has had over me is the goal. I want to do more, whether that's more recreationally, professionally, relationally, like it is in my life in almost every facet. And so recognizing it and silencing it is my goal. And I hope that that would be the case for you as well. If you are looking for additional resources, um, there's tons of books out there, but one that I've really enjoyed is called Imposter Cure. Um, That has really helped me identify it um, and start to challenge it. And you know, life gets messy. And I think we all need our mess to be blessed, right? So bless our mess and bless your mess. We'll catch you on the next episode.